biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Du, and I'm joined by Jacob on the desk today. It's like the OG crew is back. It's been a while since it's just been the two of us. Um, and we have a lot to talk about today. We have the Overwatch League that just went up on our website. And we have MSI. We have Dandy. Lots to go over. But let's jump into the Overwatch League first. All right, Jacob, you just released a piece about the new Overwatch League. Um, give us some context on what's happening right now. So about a month ago, I, I had heard about the Kraft family, the owner of the New England Patriots and the New England Revolution buying into this league. Um, I did a lot of digging over the last month, and uh, no one could be able, no one was able to turn over a contract or any sort of paper trail. Um, so throughout some more digging, I, I found out a couple of things, uh, including that the, the deal is a handshake deal. Uh, and additionally, that there is a thing called a most favored nation clause in it. Um, in the agreement. That? And that essentially means that the Kraft family, when they buy in, they have not yet, when they buy in, will not have to pay any more than the most favorable agreement that Blizzard makes with another team. So say another basketball team or a football team or a soccer team or a hockey team buys in for 2 or $3 million, then the Krafts only have to pay the highest amount. Um, so it's the most favorable to them. And right, prior to this, people were speculating that a spot went for $20 million. It was actually 15. Uh, it, originally, the original report by Sports Business Journal had reported 3 to $5 million. Uh, then you heard upwards of $30 million, which I believe is probably close to what the New York and Los Angeles spots will sell for if they sell. Um, but the going asking price, even in smaller markets right now, is $20 million. Um, and so we reported that today. Uh, what The reason... Twenty million is steep. Uh, it's about ten ten times more than the LCS or other esports leagues, um, and obviously the the LCS holds a record of one point eight million uh, from last December when Cloud Nine sold its spot to uh, Wesley Edens of the Milwaukee Bucks, and he started FlyQuest. Um, so the the bigger part of this though is that. Uh, there is no guaranteed revenue sharing until after 2021, and that's only if Blizzard meets certain criteria. And what um, is the criteria? So I, I wasn't able to get the, the criteria. Sources didn't disclose it. But essentially, uh, from my understanding, it's certain goals that they have for the league as a whole. And if they re the, reach those goals, they'll do revenue sharing. Until they reach those goals, no revenue sharing at all. And the teams do not make a return off of the league. So where did this giant inflated number come from? $20 million I, is a lot. I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I don't know why it's uh, the starting starting buy-in is $20 million. Um, and in fact, it's actually kind of alienated a lot of the Overwatch teams that are already in the esports industry. Right, lots of teams um, dropping out right exactly. now. Exactly. We saw TSM uh, drop out a couple weeks ago. And um, one of their players came out and said that that was because that TSM had been informed of what the price of joining the Overwatch League was. Um, furthermore, Splice dropped out yesterday, uh, and I had one source tell me that he expects several more teams to drop out in the next two or three weeks uh, as a result of this. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems that th it, they're alienating a lot of people who have been in esports for a very long time and strictly going after traditional sports owners or people who are, own esports teams that have a traditional sports affiliation. Your Misfits, Sacramento Kings, Energy... Um, those kind of teams, Immortals with the Memphis Grizzlies that have that affiliation and have the big money. 
Right. And Blizzard must know this. So do you see any kind of countermeasures they're going to make in the future to kind of revert these changes? So I don't know if there's anything to be reverted yet. I think the solution uh, from everyone I've discussed with, the solution would be if um, they lowered the price. Uh, if they made this more desirable, if they cut it in half even, I think some people would be more easier to bite. Because uh, it's not that people are uninterested. There are a lot of sports owners that they've met with that are very interested in, in being a part of this. Um, where it kind of goes wrong, though, is essentially the the price is too high. This is an unproven esports product. It does not do well uh, on Twitch. It gets, I think, I saw one Overwatch tournament reach, like, peak at, like, 40,000, 50,000 viewers on Twitch, which is, like... Okay for uh, you know a new esport, um, but it's very untested. It's not like the other esports games. And you know you look at other products that are untested. You look at the NBA 2K League that just launched, and the buy-in for that was seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for three years. Yep, um, that is kind of pocket change to some of these people. But twenty million dollars for that's a huge risk. A huge yeah, financial it, it is risk. a huge financial risk. And just because these people have billions of dollars uh, that at their disposal doesn't mean they're going to spend it. Um, they're very smart. They have financial advisors. They make uh, business decisions as a whole. And that's why you've not seen anyone sign. So so how do you think this bodes for the future of the Overwatch League? Um, I think... I think it will be pushed back. That's kind of what, what I've been told is that uh, no one's expecting it to make it to quarter three 2017, which is in like three months, um, especially since they don't have a single contract with anyone yet. They have like the verbal commitment of the Kraft family, right? But they don't have anyone else. Um, so cer- certainly um, I, I think this pushes it back. I don't think it kills it. Uh, I don't think we're at that point. I think that they will have to lower the price to get people in because I think $20 million is extremely unrealistic. For sure. And if you want to see the rest of Jacob's article, you can check that out on ESPN.com slash esports. We have a bunch of other stuff to talk about today, including MSI. Um, but before we dive into MSI, something also League of Legends related, we have Dandy going to E-United, the challenger team, something you also reported on, Jacob. Um Woo, With GBM back. as well, yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, I'm excited to see the former world champion return on a team. He's not dead, so I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation around franchising at the end of the end of this year for the LCS. Um, to my understanding, Riot's not really talked to a lot of the owners about this thing. Um, but there's definitely a lot of concern, like, you know, after everybody's set after summer, after summer relegation, is that when Riot starts talking about franchising and locking down their own league. Um, so it's kind of the final push. I think you're going to see a lot of challenger teams... If they want to stick in it, they're going to double down uh, this split because this might be the last split they have an opportunity to do so uh, and actually make it into the LCS and become a larger part of a long-term partnership with Riot. So uh, the Dandy and GBM moves doesn't doesn't surprise me. Um, Clarky, who is the manager for United, even said that he's uh, fearful that franchising will happen at the end of the year, so he wants United to be a part of that. Right, and we're already seeing it happen to China this summer. Correct, yeah. So if it's happened one place, you know, I can imagine it, it's only soon to come elsewhere. So um, I, cer- I certainly think, and it's been reported by Richard Lewis uh, several months ago, that it would happen in 2018. So it it looks like this could be the final split. Looks like I can finally buy a League of Legends jersey without without fearing that my team will eventually get relegated. Yeah, and that's kind of been the whole thing. Everyone I've ever talked to, uh, a bunch of owners that I've talked to, and I'll have something later on this uh, on the website um, has basically been we want people to be able to be long-term fans uh, like the NFL, like the NBA, like the MLB. You know, you have your team, and generational fans is obviously a big part of that, like passing down uh, fandom to your children. 
Um, and esports is aging to that point now where, like, you have people who have been esports fans for a long time now getting married and having children, and, and generational fans are... Uh, generational fans and long-term fan bases are very attractive to a lot of these team owners. Yeah, and on the other side of the coin, people are also arguing, and I think there's some truth to it, is that franchising will squash a lot of the talent that are looking to come in through the Challenger Series and the Promotion Series. I mean, we might not see an ecosystem where we get these kind of new teams straight from the Challenger ladder. I, You know, the most interesting thing to me is probably the Challenger Series and what happens to it. Uh, I do think that this could be an opportunity to create like a minor league, um, and which would be very interesting, right? If every LCS team also had a minor league team and could farm farm talent, there's a lot of good young talent in the LCS right now from the challenge. Yeah, ladder. but it's interesting you say farm talent because what's to stop an LCS team to pick and choose from that challenger team or that minor league team? Nothing. Hypothetically, exactly. No, so. Nothing at all. Yeah, it, but I mean, it doesn't really matter if the challenger series is just that a minor league, right? Like you're essentially training up people to the top. Yeah, we can and just call it the LCS farm from now the on. The LCS farm. I mean, challenger is already an LCS farm, in a, but in a different way. It's a money farm now instead of a talent farm. For so, sure. all right. So, Jacob, let's talk about for a second. This is a little random aside, but a video came out earlier about a certain player who I will not name and his potential attitude problems. I don't really know why these videos go up on YouTube that show the dark side of esports, and it just kind of reinforces a lot of these negative emotions players have towards each other already. But either way, it's out on on the internet and therefore out for us to digest and dissect. This video about X player shows that there are some pretty obvious attitude issues, but this player is also a star player. So what's up with that? Okay, Tariqa, I need your input on this. So Dardock is what I would call the DeMarcus Cousins of esports, which is basically he has a really shitty attitude, but he's a good player. Okay. Um, but unlike basketball, where one player can seriously carry or solo carry the game, um, League of Legends, it's literally a game that depends on teamwork. What are your thoughts about superstar players with shitty attitudes who can't work with a team? Oh, that is so tough. You just got to figure out whether or not you think winning is most important or having a cohesive unit is most important. If winning is most important, then you probably need to find a way to get that player under control in some aspects. But if having a cohesive unit is most important for you and you think it's what's going to make your team better in the long run, then I think you kick that player to the curve. Yes. I think I think uh, in League of Legends, the reason why it's so different from traditional sports is that there's a sense of maturity in traditional sports. Uh, NFL and NBA players and et cetera uh, can deal with an annoying player. But, I mean, the fact that you're, like, living in a house uh, with all these people is when you're dealing with someone like Dardock 24-7, it's a little bit too much. And these players are, like, 18 to yeah, 24, is. so they're they're young. And so instead of instead of ignoring the person like you do on a traditional sports unit, mm-hmm. you instead just, like like headbutt together and everything blows up i'm just saying popovich wouldn't stand for this you do have to take in consideration that there is a maturity difference i mean granted there are some people who enter traditional sports at a very young age but they've also had um experience with like coaching and playing on a team and that that type of stuff where whether you played in college or that kind of thing so right that's why you get a sports psychologist they also have coaches who uh, growing up, you have coaches that are significantly older, right? Like, you're not always working. Like, the first experience with a lot of these coaches, the coaches are, like, the same mid, age. mid age, like, you know, 25. Do you see esports evolving into a sport that will start grooming players and developing players at a much earlier age? 
I hope not because a lot of them quit high school and college to do esports. Dar- Dardock actually is one of those players. Yeah, that, that so quit high school. I really hope they don't do that because I feel like you develop a lot of emotional maturity in school. And without that, you come into this new ecosystem where you're just kind of like a baby and you don't know what's going on. I, I will say the, the most respectable players I have met are either um, of Asian strict culture, like Korea, or uh, if they're from America or from Europe, have very, very strict parents. Because, I mean, a lot of these esports players don't play traditional sports even in Little League, right? But, like, yeah, it... The, the ones I've met that are most mild-mannered are usually the ones that have very, very strict parents. And, you know, some of those people don't end up having the opportunity to play any sports, but the ones that do are very, very respectful. Um, I actually had a really good conversation with Yellowstar back this, about this back in 2015 and his parents. And, like, it was, really? at, it was at dinner at MSI. <laughs> wow. And it, okay. it was good, like, it, you know, because he was one of the older players. So there's no no sign of the possibility of having collegiate esports teams because if the issue is not being able to gain or develop that maturity that you need when it when it comes time to be a professional i mean they've got sports teams in college for i mean i was for a brief moment a part of the bowling team in college seriously how could do we have a bowling team <laughs> like how is that uh, i mean there is co- there is collegiate esports but the difference is is that uh you have cha- the challenger league right which is like basically the booster league and the the professionals part of league of league of legends so like everybody would rather play in that than they would on a collegiate team Got so they're it. like there are players that do both but that's a very minimal amount like i know that one player uh, his name's adrian he enrolled in college and was in college for like three months playing on the collegiate league of legends team and then he got a deal to go go pro and like just straight out bolted after three months like when in it was his freshman year he was there for three months and then he left and so, like, because that exists, so here's the thing. So if franchising happens, then in, and if the Challenger League goes away, then mm-hmm. collegiate esports matters because that's the training system for the professional I, players. I think with the way collegiate esports is going right now, it's it's pretty bad. It's a lot like the NCAA where they profit off these player images, but they don't actually pay their players anything, which is, I feel like it's the wrong move to go, you know? Yeah, I just think, I think in general, like, the only way it works is if Challenger goes away. Because in that case, you have, like, people who will play on collegiate teams until they get noticed. Like Shady, like Adrian, mm-hmm. like Zig, like those types of players. And it's funny that they've all been on P1. Like... <laughs> all right, so let's dive into the mid-season Invitational in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and by dive in, I mean it's actually taking place right now on um, twitch.tv slash riotgames. Um, we're missing out on SKT versus G2 Esports right now. And from what I remember, G2 Esports was up foreign kills when I left off. But that doesn't mean we're not going to try anyway, because MSI is one of those events that's sort of like a litmus test for international events every year. So, I mean, I'm not expecting that anyone's going to take down SKT this time around, but it'll be fun watching them try. Yeah. Um... If it's going to be anybody, I think it's Flash Wolves. Um, yeah, and I think... I don't which is think... interesting because they played in the play-in, right? Like... Yes, I know. And they destroyed <laughs> Supermassive. Sorry, Turkey. But um, one question I had was, are we... We saw TSM take on Gigabyte's Marines during the play-in stage, and they, they struggled. <laughs> oh, my God. They struggled so hard. And 
I think they're mechanical, but not in the traditional league way where it's like, oh, he's got good mechanics. I mean that in a really, really bad way. Like, the way they play is so formulaic. And I was wondering, I mean, I obviously already have my stance on where TSM stands, but are we prematurely putting them down this early in the game? That's a good question. Um, I think that TSM... I think that they will be better next split when they have double ups and they have the six-man roster. I think right now with Wild Turtle, they're very vulnerable, just like they were previously, if you look at it. Um, when they had Wild Turtle instead of double if they were a very vulnerable team. Um, and I think that's part of it. I don't think he's all to blame. Uh, I do think that Svenskeren's struggled a bit. Um, but yeah, I do think they are very formulaic right now. Um, you know, you have your mid lane carry, you have your top lane that occasionally carries, and he's just well-rounded, right? Like, I would say... Hanser and, and Bjergsen are definitely the best players on this team. And Hanser is really, and I wrote this in my piece about Arrow a while ago, um, Hanser has, in particular, uh, shined this this past split. He's really made it... It used to be when you'd think TSM, uh, after the end of the Reginald era, it would always be Bjergsen's the star. And it was very easy to point to Bjergsen and say, he's the best player on TSM by a very large margin. That diluted when you had Doublelift on the team, and Doublelift is also a very good player. Bjergsen, I think, is still better, better and well-rounded, but Hanser's actually giving him like a fairly good run for its money. And the thing is, is that, yes, they are formulaic because they have some weaknesses that need to be repaired. Whether that's repaired through player change, I'm unsure. Whether that's uh, gameplay-oriented or not, we'll see. Um, but certainly, I think this TSM squad is vulnerable, and um, I don't expect them to do fantastic at this tournament. Um, I definitely would give, at, at the very least, the LMS and Korea a better shot than them um, if we're looking at predictions. But I would probably also go as far to say that Europe is also above them. Yeah, I mean, Europe is... I mean, I could be wrong in a couple hours, but G2 Esports is currently ahead of SKT as we're recording right now. Um, very interesting change of pace. But it's interesting you bring up Hanser because I think as good as he can be, it doesn't really matter because right now, especially in this kind of meta and at MSI specifically, junglers are what makes or breaks you. And Sven Skarin is probably the biggest reason why TSM will, will win or lose. When he's good, he's really good. But when he's bad, oh my god. Um, I don't even know if I would rank him in my top five junglers at this tournament remaining. And he's probably at the bottom of my list right now. Um just based off the most recent results, but it's interesting because... I mean, the top three is definitely above him, like Trick, Carsa, uh, for sure, and uh, Peanut. Like, those, they're all and I better think Condi's than Condi's very good, too. He is, yeah. He's very so, underrated. So I think that, yeah, I think it's fair. Like, if he's in the top five, he's fifth. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, there's not a lot of teams here. Um, but speaking of junglers, I wanted to ask you, uh, m- many people have Peanut ranked as their f- best jungler, and... Okay, he's really good, but he's also on a really good team. And do you think there's an argument there to put Karsa above him? Yes. Uh, considering the, the talent lineup, yes. Um, I do think that, like you said, he's on a very good team. That's not the detract from Peanut, but the load is not as big uh, on him as it is Karsa on Flash Wolves. Um, Karsa is very much, I wouldn't say a carry all the time, uh, but he's certainly a leader. And uh, I think that is what makes him a defining player on Flash Wolves. Um, and I think that Peanut... I think Peanut was sort of that way on Rocks with Smeb. Uh, I think those two were kind of the the duo. Um, 
in their previous life. Uh, but I think that <laughs> I think that um, I, I would give Carsa an advantage, uh, especially in due to leadership and his role in the team versus SKT, which is a very much faker led. Uh, kind of faker and bang and wolf led for sure and i mean a matchup i'm seriously looking forward to is the peanut and faker versus carsa and maple matchup i feel like that is the most interesting jungle mid matchup you'll see at this tournament yeah i mean one of it like anything faker obviously makes a lot of matchups fun but i think that there are certain matchups that make a lot of sense and uh that one seems really fun um one of my favorite matchups of all time involves uh, jungle mid matchup is uh, Faker and Bangi versus Claire Love and Pawn uh, at MSI 2015, oh, and I God. think that this is oh, kind of I know I think this is kind of uh, kind of similar in, in the fact that um, all four players are very good and uh, they very much can challenge one another when they are playing at their best, and I think that's what you should expect out of an SKT Flash Pulse game. All right, well, we're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, more MSI action coming your way. Stay tuned. All right, we're back with the ESPN Esports podcast. Let's talk more MSI um, as it takes place as we're still recording. Um, One of the topics I sent to you over the weekend was... Who's that team that's going to make a Dark Horse run through this tournament? And don't say Flash Wolves because they're not a Dark Horse. Mm. Maybe I'll go first. Mm, yeah, you go first. Okay. I, I have to think about that. You you took my Flash Wolves away from me. <laughs> well, I don't think they're Dark Horses for one reason. They're, they're the second best team at the tournament. So I think one team that could surprise us, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to... Throw it out there, Gigabyte Marines from Vietnam. I know they're a wild card team, but from what I've seen of them against TSM, sure they play one play style, but it's this tournament is all about how fast you adapt. And honestly, TSM just doesn't look that great to me right now. And I think they're one of the teams that could honestly drop during the group stages. And I think Gigabyte Marines can make that miracle run if all the pieces fall into place. Are you saying that they would be like Luke Crit and the boys last, uh, yes. Albus Knox from Last Worlds? Exactly. This is why we had the playing stage now. Okay. I mean, mine's G2. Like, I expect them to do well, but. They're doing at, really well. And a, right lot of, now. a lot of people expect them to do well, but I do actually. I could see them making the final. Like. G2? Yeah. Wow. Bold it, de- it, depend, it depends on the bracket, obviously. If they're on mm-hmm. the same side of the bracket as SKT, I do not believe in them. In a, in <laughs> oh, best, suddenly no, if, not anymore. <laughs> if, if they're in a best of series with SKT, right? Like, yeah, in a best of, In a best of one, maybe. Like, maybe they can do it. Maybe they, they'll do it today. But, um, yeah, I don't expect them to, to make it past SKT in a best of series. But if they are on the other side of the bracket, I could see them running through everyone else. Not Including easily. Including Flash Not easily, but yes. I disagree i think the flash wolves if they end up on the opposite side of the bracket with g2 and skt's on the other side looking in um flash wolves are for sure going to take it i know g2 looks pretty good at this moment of recording they will not be g28 at this tournament (laughs) um but i still think flash wolves look the most dynamic with the way they look during the playing stages they're a really versatile team they've replaced nl um finally and now they have an upgrade in the bottom lane, which is always nice. It takes a lot of the pressure off mid and top. And I just think that their versatility will help them make it into the finals, lest they meet SKT in the semifinals or quarterfinals. Okay. 
We, right. we shall see. We have a podcast next week. We can look back at our predictions and, you know. All right. We'll circle back to this. <laughs> um, all right. So what team do you think will be the biggest disappointment? <laughs> Suddenly silence. TSM. 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 <laughs> um, I don't disagree. with. I think this is the one part where we agree with each other. I think TSM, they look shaky, but they're also one of those teams that once you beat them up a little in the early stages of a tournament, they get their together and all of a sudden they're, they understand how to like Andy would not stand for that. Reginald would be like. If you don't go out and play right now, then... I'm going to kill your child or something like that. I'm going to oh kill, my your, God, I'm gonna kill your firstborn. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. A little I'm kidding, intense. Kidding. <laughs> um, he is very strict, though. I will give him props for being a, a very strict owner. Um, I do think that this will be... I do not think that they are ready for this tournament. And I do think that they will struggle this tournament. And um, I am ready for all of the Reddit excuses uh, when that happens. Oh, the TSM Reddit excuses? I Indeed. can't wait to see that. TSM fans and CLG fans are the most fun on Reddit. It's a good thing I don't visit those websites. You should visit uh, reddit.com slash r slash CLG uh, if you want a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, something else we have to keep in mind is this is sort of G2 Esports' redemption story. I know we touched upon it before, but um, do you think they're on track to make up for last year's terrible disappointment? Mm, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I yes. I feel like okay, I know the narrative around G2 esports is they always disappoint at international events, but I honestly don't feel like It's a good like, meme. It's a good meme exactly, but I don't feel like narrative should make up what's going on or it doesn't compensate for your most recent results. G2 They were sure. also very much the best team in Europe this split. Exactly. They They were not last year. They actually were challenged. This right. split Yes, they were much better. Yes, for sure. So they they have a terrible history of disappointing, but I think at this tournament that'll change um, based off their most recent results, obviously. And I honestly am rooting for them because I really want to see, see them succeed. They have all the tools to succeed. They have all the players to succeed. This is their time to shine. If they don't, then I have no excuses for them. They are currently now uh, G01. Um, lost. So we oh, shall they see. just lost. They no, did. they were they ahead did. when I was watching. They did. All right, um, there we go. Never but, mind. But I think they can beat everybody. Everybody else except maybe Flash Wolves in the group stage. Best of one. Yeah. To be fair, they played SKT first, so mm, must feel good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, another team we sort of overlooked is Team WE, which is kind of like I haven't heard many people talking about them mostly because I don't think people have paid attention to the LPL since they've disappointed at Worlds. But Team W is one of those teams that's been in the rebuilding process for almost two years. And they've been on like this slow upward trend for a while. And this is the time where we finally see them at an, another international event outside of IEM Katowice. Um, and I think Condi is the player to watch for them. Um, Mystic and Xie are two names people will probably remember. And yes. people probably remember Team WE as the dynastic team that kind of ran League of Legends for a Wei while. Zhao. I think like every time you hear it, Team WE, you think Wei Zhao. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I just don't have as much faith in China this year as I do. When Jacob they... says so sadly. I know, because I, I am a uh, chronic EDG fan. It's a condition. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, you know I, every time I get my hopes up. It's but... like self-inflicted sadness. Right, exactly. Like, it's... Uh... 
It's almost like being a Dallas Cowboys fan, honestly. Like <laughs> it can't be that bad. Even 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 if even if except for MSI, there's that one time that it it works. Yeah, MSI by 2015. Some miracle. I was there. I was so happy. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like being a Dallas Cowboys fan. Every time they look good in the regular season, they just get destroyed. And that's like supporting the LVL in a nutshell. Like. Right. Looked good domestically. LDG looked really great a couple of years LGD? ago. Or LGD, rather. It looked great a couple of years ago, and then they got smashed internationally in that Group D. So True. We'll have to see how they that. do. <laughs> <laughs> well, last round of questions. Who do you think is going to emerge from the group stages? Four of the six teams will move on. Mm. I'll go first, then. Yeah. Mm. I you obviously have, SK- think. <laughs> I have SKT and Flash Wolves. Emerging first and second. And then I have G2 Esports. And finally, I have Team WE. So does that make it... Gigabyte that, Marines that would, and TSM are out. Are out. Bracket. So that, that would make it SKT versus G2 and Flash Wolves versus WE. WE. Uh, I will say SKT 1, G2 2, Flash Wolves 3, which sucks... Because that means Flash Wolves has to play SKT. SKT, Uh, And then Team WE fourth. Yeah. So I think TSM and Gigabyte Marines are out. Right. All right, then. Well, if you want to check out more esports content, you can go to ESPN.com slash esports. And you can also also follow us on Twitter at ESPN underscore esports, at Rachel Youngu and at Jacob N. Wolf. Shout out to our lovely podcast producer, Tarika, for making the podcast happen. You can follow her at SheKnowsSports underscore. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.